Hello, and welcome to the SOV POD, sponsored by Arby's. Still the only place where you can place warm labial folds of meat to your lips in public and not get arrested. <laughs> Mozzarella pepperoni. <laughs> Mozzarella pepperoni and some other stuff. <laughs> Arby's, we have the meats. Bradley, you know, it, it's very fitting that this is the first episode of T-H-E-S-O-V-P-O-D because we're going to be watching the first S-O-V movie I ever saw. What? Oh, I'm saying it's very fitting that this is the first episode of our new Shot on Video podcast, but um, we're going to be watching the first Shot on Video movie I ever saw or I ever heard of. I didn't, look, I didn't even, uh, you know, I, I didn't know what Shot on Video was until uh, oh, maybe a couple months ago. Oh, well, I'm sorry to hear that. I mean, this is a good intro, though. Did you do Severance Sale? Did I do the Severance Sale? Yes. Yeah. They had they had this very like limited edition. It said they only had a hundred of them. So it was this Frankie and his pals. And I have to get the thing that no one else can get, right? Like I just keep it I keep it in the plastic too to keep it like looking really nice on my shelf. But I had to get this. And then it just turns out that it's this like shot on what do you call it? Shot on video? Shot on video, yep. Yeah, it's just like a shot. It was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. But I'm I'm glad that we came up with the idea for this show because th- this is the first SOV I've ever seen. I'm assuming that it's the first SOV for uh, for most anybody that just thought they were getting uh, some gold at the severance sale. So I think there's a lot of people now that are going to be asking about this type of movie. I think it's good that we check in with them. I don't know what I'm talking about right now, but I'm saying enough words where I can cut out 75% of it and still have, uh, a hundred percent. Okay. Welcome to this, the inaugural episode of T-H-E-S-O-V-P-O-D. The T-H-E stands for the... And I'm Mike B. I'm going to be your host for this podcast, but joining me now forever and always will be my co-host on this venture. And look, I don't mean co as in he is below because he is not. He is the same. We are peers and if nothing else. He is probably master number one of the SOV Tanali. This is Brad F. Scott Fitzgerald Henderson. How are you, sir? Yo, 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 yo. Very, very excited to uh, start this podcast with you. Big fan of yours um, from your time at the Screencast uh, recently uh, folded podcast. But rest uh, in peace. Uh, rest uh, in peace. Yes, yes. Rest in pieces. R.I.P. But in the in the ashes of uh, you know the the fallen phoenix of uh, the the Screencast. Uh, a new pod has risen. So this is the first episode of T-H-E-S-O-V-P-O-D. We are being brought to you by Arby's. Um, and that is a relationship that will continue, you know, 
till the end until of time. the last until the last episode of this show i don't i don't know what could i don't know yeah uh i mean arby's just seems like a match made in heaven uh, we'll get to what sov is we'll get to what arby's is but let's get to uh who you are brad can you tell us a bit about yourself um sure i am a <laughs> i am the co-host make sure you say co uh but i'm not below um co-host of uh t-h-e-s-o-v-p-o-d podcast wait i shouldn't say podcast damn it just the soft pod there you go that's all soft i am all right. no that's more all no right. less hey and to identify as as such uh would be such a blessing and guess what hey i do all i do nowadays uh is uh, record the South Pod, and being this the the first episode, I'm very excited to to where this journey will take us. Now, Brad, um, can you talk to us a bit about what SOV is? It sounds like an acronym. Does it does it stand for anything in particular? It means shot on video. People like to joke that it's shit on video, but I don't say that. I think it's just shot on video, and it's. Uh, it's glorious. It's a beautiful thing. Shot on video. Yes. And being this the first episode of a shot on video uh, a podcast, what else maybe do we need to know? What, what does being shot on video mean? Does it just mean that it's, it's digital? Does it mean, I, I don't know. How does this affect an aesthetic? How does this affect a, a narrative? What, it, what does this mean? It means it's shot on tape, VHS tapes. Oh, it's shot you on know. VHS tapes. Yeah, and there's a common misconception that there's a lot of uh, movies that are um, shot on video, but they're not. Some are just transferred uh, to uh, one-inch tape and then edited on one-inch tape. And uh, it could be shot on 8mm or 16, but it gives it like a uh, shot on video feel, like, you know, science-crazed, beyond dreams door. Uh, or not beyond dreams door, beyond the seventh door. Uh, beyond dreams door is another movie. Um and uh, or things yeah Yeah. all all those uh, night brings charlie is another one that's a common misconception but um yeah but i'm sure we'll talk about those films at uh, some point in time um just as kind of a bonus episode of people that you know the films that are in the shot on video realm they share the same aesthetic but truly technically they're not but they look like it Okay, and, and then what about the, uh, the the films where maybe part of them are shot on video, part of them are are shot on uh, eight or sixteen millimeter? I'm talking about the last slumber parties. Do you do you foresee us to, uh, since this is the first episode of our show? Do you foresee us uh, talking about mixed media uh, shot on video films as well? Yeah, yeah, I could I could see us talking about the last slumber party. That's one of the only films that I can recollect that. Um, is shot on both mainly because of the different production side and the trouble they had. But um, yeah, eventually. Excellent. Well, I, I look forward uh, to this journey and the reason Brad and I decided to start this journey, not just because Arby's backed up a truckload of uh, money into both of our homes and because of, uh, you know, the deep state conspiracy that canceled uh, screencast. And we did need to continue our liberal, uh, uh, genre propaganda and physical media propaganda out somewhere. So we've taken the info wars here to the soft pot and created this 
for you, the good folks of uh, the world, well, the English-speaking world. <laughs> if you speak Cantonese, you can't understand what I'm saying right now because you can't read the subtitles. I think to mix it up, Brad, do you, do you want to do some, uh, I don't know, like, I always love dinner in a movie. Do you like dinner in a movie? I love dinner in a movie. I remember, uh, like, uh, TBS, uh, uh, dinner, uh, dinner in a movie, uh, 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 beans, uh, and uh, beans and cornbread. Beans and cornbread. How do we come up with the recipes? Well, it's it's really a very complex, it's almost a scientific process. Did that one? I'm John Molly I can't be Molly We agreed on it. So it's the, the title of the movie is the setup. Okay, we got the it. The title of the dish is the punchline. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Can't go to school, I falafel. What's that supposed to mean? <laughs> Thelma and Louise. Two hot peppers on the lamb. <laughs> Honeymoon in Vegas. Elvis's all-you-can-eat buffet. Oh, yeah. Thank you very much. Basic instinct. Stone-cold killer cakes. Roadhouse. Cracked ribs. <laughs> with black-eyed peas. It's really honed, honed to a fine art at this point. Well, it's beans and cornbread. Dun-dun-dun. Beans and cornbread. Dun-dun-dun. I, I I love I love dinner in a movie. I, I think uh, I think pairing um, food, food kind of like how wine pairs with food. Um, I think uh, pairing food with a film. So for Frankie and his pals, um, I think I have the perfect pairing. Uh, Bradley Fuckles uh, like Henderson. I want to bring just a can, a cancer, one single can of Dinty Moore stew to the party. And a, and a half half a bottle of uh, tapatio uh, picante sauce, because I think when you combine the two of those together, you will have the perfect meal to enjoy uh, during Frankie and his friends. Maybe treat yourself to a glass of milk as well. Wow, that's a that sounds uh, very very tasty. Well, a tasty tasty to be sure. Yes. I mean, that's that's a that's a really that's a really good pairing. See, it's funny because you said that um, uh, I because obviously I didn't know what you were gonna say as far uh, as the food uh, is concerned. Uh, I, I had a canned item too. Uh-huh. <laughs> I had a canned item too. I was gonna pick uh, uh, Bush's best grilling beans, the honey chipotle flavor. Ooh. And just eat that. And just eat that. Roll straight that up. beautiful bean footage. Isn't and that just, the one? Roll yeah. that beautiful bean footage. Yeah, yeah, talking dog. Yeah, had the talking like, dog too. Yeah, roll that beautiful bean because they so, hit the R. Because dogs go like dogs like growl. So like when the dog talks, Brad, the dog goes roll that beautiful bean footage. Did you just uh, figure that out by saying it? Roll that beautiful bean footage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. Maybe that's part of the seventy-five uh, percent of the hundred percent you could take out. So let's jump into the movie. Let's jump into our first episode. Frankie and his pals, some say 1990, some say 1991, but everyone says that it is produced and directed by Gerald Cromier. Hi, I'm little Jane. Are you big Tarzan? No, I'm big Frankie. You're not kidding.
None of us thought we were movie stars, but in our heads, in our dreams, for that two weeks, we were treated like we were, and we were making a movie. That's close enough. I don't think about how great the movie was or how bad the movie was or anything. I think of the opportunity that it gave to all of these people. There was rumors about the hotel being haunted, and there were some strange things that took place at, late at night when we were filming. I was complaining about how hard it was to be a musician, and I thought, no, this is one step better than being an actor. I'll see you at the beach. Yeah, the radio's playing till the sun goes away. Um, Brad, um, do you, do you have a great synopsis for us or do we just kind of say, uh, Rick and Morty, Dr. Knockoff loves titties, Frank farts his way out of a cave and the monsters go try to get some, uh, Poontang or, uh, Dick Tang and get Trish. Um, being this is a very academic show, um, oh, it's, oh, actu shit. it's actually, it's actually, Sorry. It's actually Gerald uh, Comier. What? Yeah, I know. The director of Terror Circus. He's not the director of Terror Circus. Uh, didn't Alan Rudolph direct Terror Circus? Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. No, he. I, he I think he worked with uh, Alan Rudolph early on. Yeah, because that was also Barn of the Naked Dead. Yeah, on code red. Oh, maybe 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 he yeah. wrote it then. Maybe I'm thinking yeah. he wrote it. Yeah, he wrote it or he wrote it or produced it or something. But um, yeah, I always thought it was weird that Alan Rudolph's career gets started with Barn of the Naked Dead. <laughs> of course, you know. I'm glad this is an academic podcast, and I knew what I was talking about. So thank you for that save. <laughs> Just make sure you edit that 75 percent out. Yeah, man. No, man. We could do an Alan Rudolph uh, retrospective. Turn this into pure cinema. This is my Elric Kane. I'm British. He's not British. All right, let's keep going. Oh, no, I, I don't really have anything else to say. Oh, you just wanted to correct. <laughs> you just wanted to man Yeah, so, yeah. No, I just, I kind of figured that's fitting with, with uh, the white guy and the beard. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, I just, I just crossed off uh, at least one uh, instance of mansplaining from my podcast, uh, Bingo Card. So, no, it's Yeah, good. yeah great. Good premier. Fine. Does that make you happy? Because it does take place in the French Gulch, so we might as well pronounce French names and French words appropriately, you know. They're not calling them Freedom Fries at, at, at this point in history yet. So we, we should give the French the, the respect they, they deserve for loaning us the, the Statue of Liberty until Donald Trump just tore it down. But I digress. Um, <laughs> so it's made by Gerald uh, Cremier. Cremier, Brad. Cremier, you say. Really, eh? Yeah, yeah, Frankie and his pals, and then, um, yeah, it, it just got uh, put out in their town. That's pretty much it. 
<laughs> it didn't, <laughs> didn't, didn't really didn't really go further than that. Yeah, but you or know, at all, this, yeah. Well, for I, I would argue though that for uh, a, a shot on video feature, this film does go a bit further in uh, the production department, or at least in the uh, uh, illusion of a production uh, department. This this movie has uh, you know crane shots. It has it has dolly shots. It has like you know smart camera uh, camera placement movement. There's clearly like blocking. Uh, done. So I mean, it's, a, it's you could tell it's made by a competent filmmaker that is, uh, you know, working with what he understands his resources to to be like a you know quote unquote regular film. But yeah, and uh, I, I think interesting. it's all offset by this aesthetic, right? This shot on video aesthetic, where you're like the camera shouldn't be moving this way. And I think that's what um, a lot of folks when they respond negatively to to this or uh, any of the bigger SOV uh, productions. That's that's well, what they're responding. What I think is even more interesting since you brought it up is that you said in the beginning, this is your first SOV uh, movie, but then you know well, about you, the camera work. Severin and- basically tricked me into buying it because they made it sound exclusive. They made it sound so like, so I was like, I have to have that. Cause I saw this other, okay. So the, the um, Tommy Doyle, one nine eight five seven eight one underscore 72. He said that there were only a hundred of them. And then that was retweeted by uh, Antebellum Thorne. And then she was like, well, no, I heard that, um, you know, they're actually going to have this beyond the sale that you can't just get it today. And then I just, by the time I saw uh, fake Rob Hunter retweeting, uh, you know, the, the dawn of the discs, I knew I just had to buy this movie no matter what the fuck it was. And if I couldn't get it, I was going to be very sad, but I'm glad I got it. And then I knew that since I had it, I was better than everybody else. I was better than them. Like I had achieved human excellence in owning this thing. So I knew I had to make a podcast about it. Yeah. Yeah. But it's my first, uh, first SOV. I got about a month ago. Oh, I'm glad you explained all of that. Thank you. Do you remember that episode of the screencast where you got really high in the basement and just talked about once upon a time? Um, no, uh, mainly because I we I live in Florida, so there there are no basements. <laughs> okay, so uh, that would be that would be impossible. Uh, your, your liberal shelter, <laughs> Where, wherever you go to get, <laughs> to get away from the libs. <laughs> uh, Florida sucks. I'm so sorry, dude. Every every fucking day in like international news, there is nowadays. There's always a Florida story. You're like, oh my, (laughs) I'm embarrassed to know you too. Yeah, I know. Thank you. I appreciate it. (laughs) We're we're getting off topic. I I described the movie about 15 minutes ago, Um, Brad. Would you say that that's a fair assessment? That there's a there's a horny uh, Rick and Morty doctor that uh, and, 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 and and then Frankenstein farts. Yeah, I think uh, I th- I think I could actually sum it up a little bit better. Oh, okay. All right, so <clears throat> here we go. 
This is a cute little story I'd like to say. It's about five monsters, one is gay. But don't worry, it's not scary in any way. It's just Frankie and his buddies having fun. See, don't they use drugs and they don't use guns? They woke up in a cave that was dirty and cold. They want to get out so they can find some gold. So the boys started walking, came to a town. It's called French Gulch. There were lots of folks around. All the monsters looked great, and they were having a blast. I guess after all those years, they forgot about the past. No, 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 no. Well, I'd like to tell you more about what has been seen, but they all took off in a time machine. For sure, this movie has no equal. I can't wait to see the sequel. Word. That's pretty much the plot of the movie. I just gave it all away. Wow. Wow. Now you don't. No. You don't even have to watch Frankie and his pals now. <laughs> you don't. But you do have to listen to the rest of this podcast. Uh, <laughs> Brad and I are determined to just talk. Um, and also, now that Shockwaves is gone, what? What? <laughs> sorry, I can't. What horror podcast are you going to listen to uh, without Screencast and Shockwaves? Uh, um, and any anything but this. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, no, but but Brad 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 Yeah. Brad. Oh. Uh uh Can you like wrap it now for real? <laughs> uh no, I I I I give up. You no, you read it like Mr. Belding in like save by like Mr. Belding doing like a cool like principal rap lyric. You're like, here I am. Just want to say, hope you have a Bayside day. You know, you got to well, do I, it more with like, yeah, you, you, you got to spit, spit your bars, right? Spit um, your bars. That's what they say. Spit bars. Spit them. Um, I, I, I think, I think, I, I, I think I kind of match the tone of the movie. Oh, 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 you're saying it kind of has like this out of touch, dopey uh, humor to it. Yeah, yeah, because it's it's kind of like a kid's film, but it's also not. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What makes it like a kid's film in your in your estimation? Um, well, first off, the the kind of the opening with the sets, other than the talking uh, penis off the mummy, um, there's uh, there's very much kind of a kids show aspect, and just kind of how all the characters act, um, uh, the flatulence that um, happens. Um, but then there is this kind of uh, you know horniness from the humper. Um, you know, it's also progressive in a way. I mean, Wolfie, Wolfie is, uh, is gay. Um, mm-hmm. so that's, that's kind of, uh, uh, Mr. Rogers esque, I guess you could say, you know, um, uh, there's obviously a joke with, uh, Frankie's, uh, it, ding dong. Yeah. This, yeah, this also pre, well, this postdates, uh, Shane Black's, uh, Wolfman's got Nards, but this predates, uh, you know, the uh, the gay dog controversy on South Park later in the nineties. So yeah, Wolfie Wolfie might be our first uh, gay dog icon. Yeah, I don't think this predates uh, Monster Squad, um, but you may. Have... I said it postdates. I said it postdates. Oh, I thought you said predates, and I was like, you can edit that seventy five percent out too. 
Yeah. Can you just edit well, out seventy five percent of the show? Yeah. Uh, no, I always do. I always oh, okay. do. I always do. You're from Florida. Do you know what comes out of your mouth? Of course, I edit out seventy five percent of the show. <laughs> all right, keep going, Brad. Oh no, no, that's that's uh, pretty much all I had to say. <laughs> plus, plus, I mean, I, I mean, we're given a plot where they're trying to find gold, but then they end up singing and dancing, and it becomes a party for the last hour of the of the right. movie. Right, but isn't that more, wouldn't you say that that's more of uh, a rumination on uh, colonialism and, and, and how when we had, maybe it's this alternate history that these monsters could have taken us uh, through colonialism. We look at uh, our uh, founders to this day, we look at them as heroes when in fact they were monsters. And I think here, uh, Cronier presents us with monsters that are on a quest that are, uh, you know, respected and looked at too as monsters and are perhaps feared, but they themselves would have been much better as the leaders of, of man around, but they give up their, their uh, exploits for the, the treasure, the gold, right? Uh, we're talking about Columbus and his destruction of the Taino people uh, in favor of their riches and taking them as property. But in this film, Cromier presents us with the monsters as they say, no, we will not have these pursuits anymore. These, these, these are not uh, pursuits of uh, who we shall be as a culture. Uh, we, we will take the education, we'll take the art, we'll take the dance, we'll take the song. And uh, here, Cromier shows us that his monsters could have led us to a better world in this alternate history where they discovered uh, the uh, new world. Yeah, what do you yes. think, though? Yeah. Yes. There is a lot of titties in this movie, though. <laughs> Brad, are you okay? Yes. I, I thought you. I thought you were going into another bit. <laughs> no, 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 no. You have to remember, this is all disjointed, and then I just cut out all this shit um, later, and I, I find a different edit. But. Um, what else should we talk about? Um, oh, the, we can um, talk about the movie. I mean, that's, we can do that. <laughs> yes, yeah, we could. Do you want to? Do you want to talk about the movie? Yeah, I yeah. Gave, you know, I. I'm sorry, this isn't uh, you know, fucking Mark Kermode show, Brad. Okay, look, I, I thought you told me, hey man, yeah, I'll come back into the podcast world. You know, I'm I'm up. You were like listening to Third Eye Blind's Jumper a lot. You were like, you you were just ready to go, man. And then I was like, no, we got to just keep this like show fun. And you're like, yes, fun will bring me back to life. And then here you are just, again, just trying to suck the fun out of it by, by making it so academic. I'm just trying to have a good time, dude. Just whatever. Go on. So, uh, yeah, this movie Arby. was made in um, California. Um by basically just a bunch of friends. And uh, I mean, it doesn't really have much direction. It really is just kind of a party movie, literally, because they party in the film all the time. Um, it just has, a, you know, random things that happen. Um, it's even said that there wasn't really a script uh, for this film. They just kind of went along with uh, what was what they were supposed to do. 
um, or given direction like right before. And you can kind of tell it's, it's, it is very disjointed. Um, none of it really makes sense. Uh, you know, they, they, they wake up in this cave, uh, these, you know, these five monsters, and then they search for, uh, they want to find the gold that's in the town of uh, French Gulch. So they go. Um, and within uh, minutes of getting into the town, uh, they, they're given hotel rooms and then they go to a party, uh, basically. And uh, the party lasts all night and it's a Halloween party. So no one really looks at them thinking that they're out of place. They just think it's a bunch of people in costumes. Um, so it has that kind of very traditional, well, now traditional uh, trope that's used uh, quite a quite a bit in horror films and when killers show up or, you know, even in Halloween. Um, so like, uh, it, it's very standard in that sense. It is very silly. Um, but it is, it does have this kind of harmless, cute factor to it. Um, you know, even though the production side of a lot of people in the film uh, or behind it, uh, they made kind of, you know, weird and more exploitation uh, and uh, soft, a lot of softcore, I think, um, at the time. So this was very much, it's, it's like that, but as a kid's movie, but with a couple adult jokes. Um, you know, even though The Mummy has a talking uh, penis, but it's like out of his belly button, um, you know, that's kind of funny. Frankie talks about how big his junk is. You know, there's, like I already mentioned, there's a, a, a gay wolf man. Um, so th there's just a lot of things in the film that are fresh and new at this given time, but it's just one of these things that, you know, they made the film. It was the production behind it, as, as you said earlier, was, was very good. I mean, they had dollies, they had cranes, even though it's this VHS camcorder, they really took uh, a sense of making like a movie, quote unquote. Uh, even in the interviews with, with the actors, it did feel like a movie set. They had plenty of people on the set. Uh, but honestly, it, it's from what the actors have said. And I mean, I think you can even get the vibe in the opening credits of this film where it's just very jokey. Um, you know, um, I, I, this, I think this is one of the very first films that probably did that that kind of jokes around in the credits, like uh, very much, uh, I think the, to, if people uh, remember um, uh, Deadpool, uh, kind of how the credits were a little funky in that, you know, this movie's made by a lot of people, you know, that type of thing. And that's kind of what Frankie, Frankie and his pal does, but all through the credits of, you know, joking uh, who everybody is, you know, the most important, the important cast, the second most important cast, that type of thing. Um, you get a vibe that it is fun and goofy. And it's very, this is surprising that because of the production, uh, I guess you could say value behind the film and it having uh, filmmakers that come from a background of many years making films and, and know the business that this movie never really made it. It didn't, it, it didn't make it out of its, town that it was really filmed in which i think was redding california if i'm not mistaken but even yeah. so ar around that area like this this got basically self-distribution in video stores uh in that area 
and that's it. And it's, it's very bizarre because we have so many shot on video films that are made with friends and kids and they're uh, widely known. In, in that community, uh, you know, stuff like Todd Sheets was making when he was younger and all that kind of crossed over to, um, you know, uh, somewhat mainstream in the sense of video stores and, and, and bigger distribution. Uh, it's very, it's very weird that this film didn't do, I, I guess maybe they were, uh, between the investors and the director, maybe they weren't too happy with the product and maybe wanted more because that sometimes happens with, with filmmakers, you know, um, every filmmaker should believe what they make it. You know, the, when you put forth a, a concept and you, and you take that concept and you put it to paper and then you find funding and you find people that and believe in your product and you do, and you hire a cast and crew, you truly believe that you're making a wonderful piece of art. I, I think most people have that. I think when you put, when people put their trust in you and you believe in this project and you complete it and then you watch it and then you, you maybe you don't really, you're like, Oh shit, like this isn't very good. Um, and from the sound of it with the production value, they spent a good amount of money on this movie and I think in this world, especially with films in the shot on video realm, um, uh, video stores or video distribution was, they were paying um, good money for this. I, I remember talking to the director of, of uh, Copperhead, uh, shot on video movie, uh, and they sold the rights to a distribution company for $100,000 in the 80s. I mean, you're lucky for a good independent movie uh, to, to even get close to that these days. Um, so it's, 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 it was a crazy world because uh, at that time, uh, distribution companies could spend uh, $100,000 on a $20,000 uh, feature that was made shot on video and the return would be very, very big from the video stores. So maybe... Yeah. My guess be like the uh, well, well, I'm sure we'll look at it in the future. But the the movie Spine that would that would be a good example uh, is one made directly for market for very cheap that got uh, a big uh, you know front end for it. I'm glad you brought up Spine. We should talk about that. Um, but um, yeah, I, I think maybe, uh, and I don't know this. I think they probably wanted more, and uh, being that this is would be considered lower tier because it's not really horror. Um, and it's not, there, there really wasn't any shot on video kids movies. Um, it's, it was rated R, but for the most part, they, it wasn't they were really not any market marketing. To wait, this. Wait Nowadays, a minute, wait, a minute, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, quick impression. Bush's baked beans dog, uh, uh, saying that the movies rated R. Yeah, that's good. Um, so I, I think a big portion of that was that when they took this to distributors, it wasn't marketable. It didn't have blood. It didn't have gore. Um, there were no horror elements. So it wasn't going to sit on the horror shelf. And if it did, 
people would be disappointed. So I think they really kind of fucked up making it kind of like a kid's movie because there isn't anything behind it as far as why a distributor would pick it up. And I think that hurt it. And they probably had low offers, very low offers. And they said, fuck it. I'm going to do it myself. Very much kind of like how independent people do it today. Um, because there really isn't that big of money if you make a film in your hometown and you spend $10,000, $20,000 on it, your return isn't going to be A24 coming along and picking it up for a million dollars. You're going to get a very small sub-label to probably help you uh, do it. You're not going to get any money up front, and they're going to split it down uh, probably 60-40. Uh, that's how distribution works these days. And I think that they figured that they could make more money uh, by producing and, and Shasta, Shasta Motion Pictures was mm -hmm. the company that they created uh, because I believe that's where he was from was Shasta, California, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know. Um, and they put it in the video store. So they probably went around and they sold tapes uh, to the, probably the people in the town because the, the, the film had good promotion within the town they were filming. So in, to their eyes and to the people in the production, they were making this big Hollywood movie. Um, and, you know, you had filmmakers uh, from the 70s making this movie. So I think there was a lot of trust that went into to them making this. And, you know, it's kind of a sad story that the, the film just basically disappeared. And it was doomed. Uh, I, I honestly, in a way it was doomed from the beginning because of uh, the content that's in it. Um, nowadays, uh, I think this would do fairly well because it's weird. It's quirky. And obviously it did well because, uh, you know, jumping back to the Severin sale, Severin finds this movie um, that was incredibly hard to find. I, I, I saw it maybe about 20 years ago from a, um, a, a, a video trade that I was doing with a friend. Um, and he, he was told me about it and I was like, I've never even heard of this. Obviously there was no information about it at all online. Um, and I watched it and I was like, man, this is really weird and goofy. And I honestly, I didn't think much of it at the time. And then when I heard, um, you know, Seven was releasing it, I was like, holy shit, I, I have that movie. And that's, that's really a weird one to choose. But then thinking, looking at it, I was like, oh my God, this really wasn't, I don't even think it had an IMDb page at the time until recently. And oh, well, yeah, not only that, it, it, it still doesn't have an IMDb page updated. Uh, only one cast member is listed and then they got uh, Gerald Cromier. Yeah. So like, it's just, it's kind of this unheard of movie. And I mean, bless Severin for putting together features for this and putting it out. But, you know, I remember I, I was, I tweeted about it because I was like, holy shit, Frankie and his pals, like, you know, um, it, it's, I, I, maybe I thought that people was mistaken it for Undertaker and his pals or something like that. But like, you know, I tweet about it and then I'm, I'm, I'm hearing Severin and they're like, this is limited. And I'm like, okay, well that makes sense. Cause it's shot on video movie. Uh, these things don't sell well historically for the most part for a lot of companies, you know, Severin has the InterVision label and they've done, you know, sledgehammer, which we'll probably talk about on the show and, and stuff like that. 
And uh, so when they announce it and then the sale goes live, it sells out almost immediately. And I'm like, wait a second, that doesn't make any sense. It really must be a hundred that they've done because this is insane. And then, you know, they have, I guess they have a thousand hand printed uh, numbered copies and then a thousand normal copies, I guess you could say. But for 2000, is that what it was? How the lim- yeah, how the limited edition, uh, you know, it has like, uh, you know, David like handwriting on it, just saying like 78 or whatever. But, yeah, I yeah. mean, that, uh, that's cool that they do that. But I was like, you know, I, I remember logging in and of course Severin had a fucking hell of a time um, with their sale. And, and being, that's the crazy part, that being that they had such a disaster multiple times with their sale and they were having people email them what their order was a complete clusterfuck. I was like, all right, so maybe they just cut it out. Like they didn't like, they were just like, okay, well just email us and then we'll get it out. This shit really fucking sold out. I'm still don't believe it, but I was like, did Severin just sell 2,000 fucking copies of Frankie and his pals a shot on video movie. One, are people tricked because they're thinking that this is some like lost like video, like, you know, actual film, not a, like a shot on video film that's made by a yeah, bunch that's of... To my bit earlier though, about just how they just started spinning each other out over that language around the limited edition or the... Yeah, and, and but it makes sense because, um, you know, not too long ago, um, I, I caught wind that, uh, SRS cinema was releasing garden tool massacre. And if people know that was a fictitious, uh, movie in, um, uh, monster, it was the monster squad, right? That did it. Or no, that was groundhog uh-huh. day. Wait, what movie was garden tool massacre? The blob, the blob, right? What was the one in monster squad? I, I don't fucking know. Was it groundhog? I, I was it Groundhog Day, like 16 or something or eight? Uh, but anyways, um, I can't remember. But so the blob had this fictitious movie, Garden Tool Massacre. So people thought it was like a joke for that. I'm like, no, this is actually a lost shot on video movie. Uh, this guy made a few in his hometown. And, uh, you know, it was just limited to 100, I think, or 150. Well, and, 100. Okay, 100. And so like yeah. my tweet, like, took off and and Ron Ron Bonk messaged me and he said, Hey, he's like that thing that you did with with the tweet, like blew up and I sold out already. So he printed up another hundred, uh, you know, that was the deal. And then he sold that immediately. And I'm like, wait a second, like what's going on? Like with these shot on video movies now? I mean, yeah, I talk about them, but I obviously, it's just not me that's making these things sell. I don't think that, but it's just, it's, 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 it's really great that people are actually giving this shit a chance because shot on video movies have been overlooked for many, 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 many years. And they still are. It's not like this is some revolution. There's, there's, there's thousands of shot on video movies. Uh, Some of them have never, ever seen the light of day. Uh, others like Frankie and his pals have been lost and been traded uh, amongst really hardcore fans. And then you have the more popular ones. You, you got the Rona. Um, 
so like uh, are, you, are you okay yeah no i'm fine oh my god all right so we'll start that over um so so you have uh you know thousands of shot on video films you know a lot of which are never actually seen um, because uh, they were never distributed properly or by a company that was mainly uh, friends putting them in video stores. And then you have stuff like Frankie and his pals that had uh, a company made up or you know they sold it to companies within the town or local video stores. Um, and then you have the wider ones that actually had decent distribution, uh, kind of like you know Sledgehammer, uh, Copperhead, um, you know, uh, the last slumber party that kind of gained some traction through the years. Um, and, and they did fairly well on video. And the, I mean, these filmmakers made a shit ton of money. Um, that's the thing is like, and it was typically just a bunch of friends making a movie and they made a ton of money, uh, off the film because distribution was the video store boom was insane. So people were purchasing stuff like Blood Lake and things like that for, you know, $50,000, $100,000, maybe even more, um, depending on the company that picked it up. Releases it on video. It does fairly well. It, it, it has, a, you know, 100,000 copies mass produced. Um, you know, 50,000 copies survive from, you know, being th either being thrown away or, uh, you know, the video store is going to have business and just putting stuff in the dumpster because DVD is taking over. Um, so you have like 50,000 copies survive, 25,000 copies survive through the years. And those obviously deteriorate over time. So you have this small collection left, but the films live on. People know what they are. They're, you know, pirated, they're tape traded. Um, so you have these movies that have this longevity because of that. Uh, so it's all over the place, but it's kind of, it's still really nice that people are taking notice to these movies. They're, they're really movies. It's, it's, they're fun. Uh, they're just low, very low production value. Uh, a lot of non, uh, non-actors and shit like that. So, but anyways, it's, it's kind of nice that people are taking interest in this stuff, whether it's calling it limited and they're afraid that they can't get it later um, if that's what it takes to get people to, to actually give shot and video movies a chance, then so fucking be it. Um, if, if, if that's what it, if that, that's what they have to do. Hell yeah. Shot on video, motherfuckers. Yeah. Say, say it too, Brad. Say shot on video, motherfuckers. I'm not going to say that, but, um, yeah, no, I, I'm really thankful, uh, that people are giving this stuff a chance um, it's just Frankie and his pals is probably not the best intro to shot on video films, but, um, I think it's still very cool. Um, this is definitely, even though it's higher production value for the film and it's uh, quote unquote well-made in that sense of like, you know, using the camera, um, knowing what they're doing. Uh, it's still a really goofy and disjointed on screen, but uh, from a technical side, it's very well done. Uh, but there are better and more fun shot and video movies that 
<laughs> have lower production value, have non-actors, and they're very, very uh, much more enjoyable. Um, but I do, I, I'm, not, I'm not shitting on Frankie and his pals at all. I think it is very fun um, movie, but it is on more, unfortunately, on the boring side. Um, because like I said, it's, it's, but, but boring also kind of equates to, um, in in a way fun and, uh, understanding that these guys, everybody in the film, all these people, um, that are in the film and behind the film, we're actually having a good time. So you still get that camaraderie that you do with, these homegrown uh, kind of horror films is that, you know, like the Polonia brothers were making and stuff like that. So, so when they're making these, it kind of emulates on screen that they, they are, it's kind of oozing off the screen that this is very uh, friends making movies together. And you get that with Frankie and his pals. Obviously these people are having a good time. There's even a really good little short interview with the band that uh, played that plays in the film, and they also did the soundtrack to the movie as well. Um, that everybody has very very fond memories uh, of this movie and and making it, and that makes it a lot more charming. Honestly, if you have the DVD and you haven't watched the movie yet, watch the interviews first, and then watch the movie. It it will change it for you. A little bit you'll you'll yeah so I think there's a lot of fun through lines in the the interviews where um you know a story that uh an actor tells uh how it uh how it kind of has a thread of it that goes through like say the interviews with um uh camera and makeup and then you hear i i really like the the interviews as well and while we're talking about um special features though bradley now is a good time uh to mention to folks, we've never mentioned this on the show before because it's our first episode. It's episode one, Frankie and his pals, my first SOV and probably yours. Um, but we've never mentioned that Intervision has the best subtitles. Um, <laughs> if you do the closed captioning. Yeah, even if you can hear very plainly what people are saying. And, and the thing is, I the, the cool thing why Intervision does this uh, with subtitles for these shot on video films is that if this is your first shot on video film or your 20th, you know, uh, or you will know that being that that shot on tape, um, if you remember your old family tapes, there's a humming uh, from the actual mechanical parts of video cameras. Uh, so there's a humming or a hiss that you'll hear um, or this weird like uh, dog whistle tone not saying you're a dog, but it will have that kind of uh, um, frequency, that high-pitched frequency. So uh, Severin does a really cool thing. Uh, and plus, audio is very low because a lot of people, when they made these films, not so much Frankie and his pals because the audio is actually fairly decent in this because they probably had a boom mic. Um, a lot of people used internal mics on the cameras uh in 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 those days i mean a lot of cameras still have internal mics but there was actually decent mics there was like a microphone with like uh an actual microphone on the front of a lot of uh, uh vhs cameras um yeah we're so, talking about the VHS cameras that your pervy uncle used to have you know yeah 
So, like, I mean, I mean there, the, there was the jack to put yeah. the, the microphone in, but typically a lot of these people, they just use the internal mic because they were really, really good. Um, you know, uh, these VHS cameras, uh, they're very expensive uh, back in the 80s. Internal mic was my nickname in high school, too. So oh, wow, that's, that's pretty cool. You should save that for the show. Um, so, <laughs> so uh, it, what Mike was saying is that the Intervision puts these subtitles in, which is really cool because sometimes if you turn up the movie too high, you'll, you'll hear this hiss. So they put the subtitles on and I always suggest to watch the subtitles because Intervision subtitles are fucking hilarious. They, they do, uh, have a good time making those for sure. I actually didn't watch the subtitles on this one. So if you did, please tell me what was said. Um, it wasn't as, I hope we do an episode on a dark harvest because I, that, that one has the best of the, uh, the subtitles. This one, uh, not as great. Oh no, no. Dark harvest. And, um, uh, what is it called? Death by love. That one has great uh, subtitles, but um, no, this one's more low key because I mean, like you said, the, uh, the audio is just inherently better. And I, I do think that um, I, I did hear reference to ADR sessions. So there, there was some post on, on sound at least. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. And that's what I said. It's, uh, the production value behind this is, is very high. Uh, for Shana video films and they probably did spend a lot of money on this um, which is kind of cool it doesn't really show though because uh, the production value in front of the film is very low um, right. and and it's and it is weird that you uh, to come to come from a background of film like these filmmakers and making something shot on video when you've never done, as far as I know, they've never done, they could have a lost movie or multiple, um, making something shot on video at this, at this time in your career is very odd. You know, it, it's, uh, you know, it, it's funny because you had kind of the same thing with uh, John Wintergate with Boarding House is that, you know, he obviously had the money to shoot on film. I mean, they had the VHS blown up to 35 to project into theaters and they did that. So he obviously had the money, but he got that idea because George Lucas was looking into shooting on video and they thought that was going to be the future, which is the most bizarre thing I've heard ever with between film and tape. Like tape is inherently bad. It was just good because you were able to give somebody uh, a tape to record uh, family videos or something that they've seen and it already be transferred. Then you could pull it out and watch. It didn't have to be, uh, no, there wasn't a digitizing at, at that point, but there wasn't any um, processing like that's where the money kind of came you know came from is that you would have to process this film you'd have to cut the film you'd have to do all this other shit in order to actually uh, and then you would still have the film 
Like that's it. Like then you would have to get a projector and then you'd have to get reels and you'd have to do that and you have to properly clean it. You have to properly store it or it goes bad. VHS was a great thing because I maybe I just probably explained I mean, it. I just it was, explained myself why they probably thought this was the future <laughs> because I've no, never thought no, about that. No, Fred, it is cheaper. Fred, it's inherently Fred, cheaper. Yeah, it's inherently cheaper. I mean, it was in uh, every home, um, you know, after what, like four or five Christmases from the introduction of VCR, right? I think that's what they uh, they said in uh, that, that movie. <laughs> they gave you special things. Uh, rewind this. That's what they say. They yeah. say it took, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, just the technology and the, the consumer. Uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's where a lot of the budget uh, budget went to is that, you know, you have this budget for the movie. Why not just shoot it on video and then you have a master tape and then you copy that and then you copy the copy um, multiple times, just like how you would an inner negative uh, for film. And that way you don't have to do all this processing. Shipping is very, very small because you don't have four to six reels of the film, you know, uh, so shipping is obviously very low. It's easy to transport. It's easy to box. I mean, it really is revolutionary, but the thing is, is that I think what people started to know is like, Oh man, this fucking looks like shit. And it deteriorates over time. Um, you know, you can especially tell kind of like in Frankie and his pals, because with with what you're watching on screen and then in the special features with the interviews you actually see high res scans of like uh you know the the makeup and the guy did a good job for the most part on the makeup but it you can't tell anything watching the movie it looks it just looks like i don't even know what it looks like it doesn't even look like they have makeup on half the time but in the high res like ogre on their face yeah, it just it is like, you know, you probably think, oh, man, the special effects are really bad in this movie, but they're actually not. It's actually really good. <laughs> it's just that you don't see. I mean, it's good for that production, but you just don't see it, especially Humper. Like uh, there's like some behind the scenes shots of, of uh, Humper, who's actually the guy that did the special effects for the movie. He um, it, they look really, really great who, uh, again, you mentioned Death by Love. That's a bonus feature on Dreamstalker, which we should talk about too, um, is that uh, the special effects guy in this did the special effects for Dreamstalker. And Dreamstalker has really good uh, special effects. You know, So this guy obviously knows what he's doing. Um, and, and it shows, I, I think the only one that looks bad is the Wolfman. But he actually created that mask very, uh, he goes into detail about it on the uh, interview of why he did what he did. And it kind of makes perfect sense um, mm -hmm. because he's able to move his mouth around uh, and stuff like that. And speaking of Wolfman <laughs> and the special effects is that apparently that song that he sings is made up on the fly. Yeah. Which is incredible. Uh, yeah, I, I heard that in the interview with Clover. Yeah, I was like, yeah, the 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 the, the his love interest, uh, the little well, gay love interest, uh, because that's the gay character in the film. Even though there's a little it's bit, his boyfriend, it's, Brad, it's his gay boyfriend. Okay, you have to picture him being gay with him. He's his gay boyfriend, Brad. Gay. So, but isn't isn't there hints that the mummy's gay too, or is that something I'm just? Am I just thinking too much into it? Honey, you're just you're gonna realize everyone's a little gay. 
Okay. Well, yeah, of course, everybody's it's a, a board game. We it's all a know that. spectrum. It's a spectrum, sweetie. It goes all the way from. Uh, it, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, it's a spectrum, sweetheart. It goes from Jaleel White all 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 the way up to Big Daddy Black. That's a weird, weird thing. Um, so, so, but anyways, yeah, the, the, the song that the Wolfman sings is, uh, is made up on the fly, which is actually really cool. And I will say, like, the music in the movie by this band, who I cannot remember the name, um, which I don't think they had one. Is that what it was? Was that the joke in the uh, interview? But anyways, oh, the music's actually decent for the movie. And the best song is used in the credits because it's actually kind of funny. Yeah. But yeah, uh, yeah that's the thing. It's like, there's a lot of things very positive going for this movie. Unfortunately, it's just a little bit more on the boring side. But like I said, the boring kind of equals fun in this sense because it, it, it does have a childlike quality with some adult <laughs> elements. They should have they should have waited for your um critical endorsement with <laughs> it's on the boring side, but boring equals fun. <laughs> I think it does. I, I, I stand I stand by that because I, I I'm I, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. I'm a very avid shot on video watcher so it's uh, you come into a lot of films that are boring and slow paced and the production value is really bad and it's just comes out to be a bad movie. Right. You can have a boring movie, but right. there's or a lot of factors that make it enjoyable. Or, or we, I'm sure we'll get to at least uh, talking about it at some point, but uh, there's the bad, you know, the bad production values and da da da. But then some of these movies are just overtly offensive, like Hell Roller, right? Would be an example of that. Or I'll give one to you that we uh, need to talk about on the film or on this show or whatever we're doing. Uh, is <laughs> it was a retitled Jabber, but its original title was L A H Jabber. And it was about a guy that would go around stabbing people with an AIDS needle. Um, like, wait, wait, say it again. Hold on. I, I won't laugh this time. Sorry. Uh, well, I, I'm not going to say it again, but it was just that, you know, they had a, re the, it was originally released as LAH Jabber. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's crazy, right? I mean, incredibly, and especially at the height of when it was released with the kind of the, with AIDS going on. I mean, they were. It started the AIDS cabin craze, bro, of the early 90s. Dude, like, it's so crazy. I mean, obviously it was retitled Jabber down the line, but I was like, fuck, you know? Uh, it, like you do have it, that's the thing is that when you do shot on video films because you didn't have producers telling you what you can and cannot do um, you really did have people push the limits with gore uh, subject material and stuff like that jabbing. yeah like no, you know who's if, if you're producing the movie yourself and making it and you hire people you can do whatever the fuck you want and that's what people did 
It, like you said, mentioned Hellroller too. Hellroller is an incredible, boring, incredibly boring movie, but like the content that's in there, um, or even something which it, I think it's known as another. Uh, this is shot on video, but it's actually I think shot on like eight millimeters, sixteen. Is the nostril picker, um, mm-hmm. which is a really gross and disturbing movie, but um, I think it's essentially shot on film, but it's known as a shot on video movie. But um, it's it's very heavy in the sense of its content, um, and it's very mean. Um, you know, so you do kind of have a more artistic, if that's what you want to call it, freedom. Some people use that. Some people abuse it. Um, you know, but some of these movies are very, very offensive, uh, even for like even more so with today's standards. But even then it was like, fuck, man, what the fuck are you doing? Um, and that continued, though. Uh, independent film continued through that. Age jabbing. I'm just going out with my mate doing some age jabbing. Just well, you, fucking sound, Dad. Fucking you know, cool dad. you had, uh, what's his name? Gary, Gary uh, Whiston, Whistlin, uh, who, who has made, shit, probably over a hundred shot on video films. But um, most of them are about strangulation. Um, like where people would just strangle women or something like that. And, and you, and you had that, which, it, you know, essentially was how Tina Krause got her, uh, start. Um, you know, she has a, a shot on video movie, uh, that is put out by Agfa called Limbo at this point. Um, but that's how Tina Krause got her, uh, career was through Gary, Gary Whiston making wave movies um i'm not sure uh if oh shit uh we need to talk about wave at some (laughs) need to talk about wave at some point on the show if you don't know what wave is uh wave actually i think still exists and it's headed by gary whistling uh whiston i I can always forget his last name um but uh wave was a thing where you could write up a script yourself uh send it with money to a filmmaker and then they would make your movie uh it was very very low budget uh shot on video stuff but uh you had jabbing. yeah i know that there's a documentary coming out about wave which is a very fun and kind of unique thing that happened um but again uh, there's so many movies that are made that are never ever seen through that you know, because uh, I mean, yes, it's just people picking up a camera and goofing off, but you know, uh, it's just it, it, it's crazy. And then you have companies like Intervision and SRS Cinema and Masker Video um, trying to keep these films going. Um, I know SRS just released uh, Chloroformed, which was a very lost shot of video movie for for a long time. Um, again, not very good. Uh, at all, but uh, you know, just a piece of cinema history, uh, we want to call it cinema, a uh, piece of movie history um, that uh, you know would disappear if it wasn't for companies like this. And not saying that everything deserves to be treated the same and released and put forth a bunch of money and special. Oh, I'm sorry, someone from Florida believes that not everything deserves to be treated the same. <laughs> so but it's it's nice to have these companies that at least put it out there 
for, for, you know, cause I, there is time and work that goes into this stuff. Some more than others. Some have more heart than others, but it's still a really cool concept. And I'm very, very thankful for companies like Severance slash InterVision with, you know, David Gregory over there, who is taking the time and putting forth a lot of money uh, in order to get this stuff together. Cause I mean, those, uh, the special features alone, um, you know, probably cost more to him than the actual distribution for this movie when it was originally released in like 91 at video stores. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's kind of neat that you have people that take that passion um, and take a chance on something that's never been seen, uh, especially if it's shot on video. Very good. Um, I think Bradley, this might be a good uh, time to transition out of, um, stupid meta jokes that uh, I think are funny on independent podcasts and say we are back bitches Bradley this, I mean this will appear as episode one on the feed but come on we're we're basically mainstays in the, uh, the now hip SOV community hey maybe we'll have a bigger following at this point oh I think so because Shadow Video is going to be the revolution and then this next batch of Star Wars movies, uh, George Lucas has, uh, he's going to be producing with Kennedy and they're going to be shot on video. Mm. That will never, ever happen, but it's kind of funny that that was even a thing. So, yeah. but anyways, yeah. But, um, so enjoy Frankie yeah. and his pals. Uh, I think um, it's still sold out, um, but yeah. people are still getting their separate orders. So after everything is probably shipped out, then we'll probably get a final count because stuff has to be set aside uh, for uh, from a distribution point. Um, mm -hmm. You know, uh, so so there probably will be some cop copies that pop up uh, here and there uh, off their site. So just pay attention. Um, there's this funny uh, letter. There's this funny letterbox review, and the letterbox review is mostly about. Uh, the severance sale it's like the nerdiest anyway but uh but this guy's like i was really excited about this because of the severance sale but then it was sold out and like i'm like good because this movie sucks now that i saw it <laughs> yeah that that's the thing is like I, you know that's what i was afraid of is that people are thinking that they're getting into this uh you know this weird film but it really is just this weird shot on video film um, yeah. but yeah, you're, you're going to get shitty quality. Uh, it actually does look pretty good. The transfer, like this is obviously a master tape that wasn't really used because there's some, there's some big clarity, uh, with the picture and there's not much like tracking lines that pop up. So that's, right. that's, that's pretty cool. So, um, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at, uh, the Severin film site right now. And it doesn't look like there's any available, but like I said, orders are still being shipped out. Uh, you know, stuff gets damaged in the process. They have to replace it. Stuff gets lost, especially right now at the post office. So just keep your eyes peeled um, uh, online with Severin in the next uh, few weeks. Cause something, I'm not saying something's going to pop up. Obviously I don't not work for Severin, um, but I know how these things work sometimes. Uh, well, I know how these things work all the time, really. But um, 
in this situation. Wow. Just, Hold on, my white guy podcast bingo card. I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it like that. But you know, these these things follow suit as far as how a company operates. So just give them a chance. Let them get everything out. Obviously, they're small. Um, and they had lots of issues. Uh, they're going through. I can't believe they went through email after email um, of people just stay. And that's such a clusterfuck because the amount of emails that you get on top of that asking where the order is and people bitching about everything. I feel so bad for Severin. Oh my God. That's a fucking nightmare, bro. Oh my God. It's a fucking nightmare. There's some people that were on Twitter that were like tweeting at Severin that night. It was the funniest shit. And they're like, this is inexcusable. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, bro, people are dying in the street right now. Can we calm the fuck down about Frankie and his friends? Or- yeah. I, like, I, 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 was, I was so taken back by that because people are like, well, I'm never buying from Severin again. You know, this isn't a fucking breakfast bar or a piece of like, this isn't food. Like, you're like, I'm never going to eat at Wendy's again. Well, that's easy because you just don't go to Wendy's. But you can't say, I'm not going to buy this Fulci movie ever because Severin released it and I don't like Severin's shipping methods. What, are you going <laughs> to never purchase the movie? Right. You know, right. this isn't like you can go get, right. uh, you know, Enigma somewhere else. And you know, this racist. isn't a burger. That's this word. Stop it, Brad. But, uh, so... Yeah, and then it's like I'm never, I'm never gonna order from uh, Severn because uh, of the shipping. And then it's like now you're not supporting the United States Postal Service. Now you're making Trump's argument that the the, the election is gonna be rigged if they're in charge of all those mail-in ballots. Now you are bringing down democracy. Will you buy the fucking movie and shut the fuck up, or don't? Just shut the fuck up. Either way. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. Just give people a fucking chance, man. Severin is literally just a handful of people that's trying to make, you know, a, a business and trying to bring us movies and, and doing killer transfers. Yeah. You know, their site fucking fell apart that night. You know, you could easily, they, they rectified it within just a, you know, a, a day or two, you emailed them, you got your shit. I got my shit. I was super happy. It came, you know, um, and then people are flipping out about that, uh, fake for Fulci thing. They just had some issues with the slip cover that will come out too. Just give, give them a break, you know, give any company a break that does a sale like this. Like, you know, I, I mean, I work for vinegar syndrome. I know the nightmares that, that happen. Um, you know, and it's just, it's just like, we're not universal or paramount or anybody that has a shit ton of money. That's able to have this website that doesn't crash. You know, shit happens, man. Yeah, you know, calm your just give them, just calm give, them, them. give them a break. Watch, yeah, watch Frankie and his pals. Have a good time. Watch the other time. movies and then purchase the next sale yeah. that they have. Watch it. Yeah, or don't, or don't. Like, <laughs> don't, because then it's going to go to people that actually care and want to watch the movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and that said, there's a, you know, you've mentioned uh Ron over at uh, SRS a couple times this episode, but um, he just put up uh, the two volume sheets of gore. Uh, a lot of rare, uh, you know, Todd Sheets uh, short films um, he's collected yeah. together. 
Yeah, so pay attention to Massacre Video, Intervision, uh, SRS Cinema, Wild Eye, all these, uh, some uh, slasher video. Slasher is not really doing anything anymore, but they have a couple shot on video films. So just pay attention to those labels because more shot on video stuff is going to come if more shot on video stuff uh, sells. And follow this podcast. uh, Follow us on Twitter because I'll be talking about it because even if the movie sucks, I'm probably going to still tell you if it's available. So, but I will tell you it's the best. What is that? I said, and I'm probably going to tell you it's the best. (laughs) Well, yeah, you do like some weird shit. But anyways, that's it. That's all I got. That is all she wrote.